Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Find your nearest GDK restaurants at germandonakebab.com. Hello, happy Friday. This is Football Social Daily, the very first Premier League podcast of the week. If you're looking for a review of the weekend's matches, then go and hop back one episode to our Premier League review show that came out Sunday night. Give that a listen if you want a recap of everything that went on in the Premier League this weekend. But if not, well, there's plenty still to come on today's show as well. I'm Jim Salverson. I've got Fergal Brennan here for a rare Monday treat. Hello, Fergal. Hello. And I've got Steve McNaughton over here as well in the Sports Social Studio. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Very hey, good. <laughs> so, topics on the agenda. There's some Monday night football tonight in the shape of the FA Cup action between Portsmouth and Arsenal. Since when did FA Cup games happen on a Monday? I know we've got one tomorrow night. We're at, we're at Stamford Bridge tomorrow night. What's going on? It should happen at the weekend, the FA Cup. <laughs> ruining football. Uh, well, we're going to be picking our heroes and villains from the weekend as well, which saw the very first domestic trophy picked up by Manchester City. So I'm sure there'll be at least one hero in sky blue. But we're going to start with Liverpool who suffered a shock 3-0 loss to Watford this weekend, meaning they can't now match Arsenal's invincible season. Steve, I don't know whether I expected Liverpool to go the whole season unbeaten, but what I didn't expect was it to be undone by Watford. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I had... I had it is funny, right? I, yeah, I had, I, had a, I had a feeling on Saturday Saturday morning, thought we were at, you know, we're at Vicky's, Vicky's Road, we've got, we've got Watford under Nigel Pearson. And I've always said on, on the podcast that Watford, I think, have a good squad. Uh, you know, there's a good nucleus of players there that I think if they can get a bit of consistency going, they can probably achieve a better position than where they are. And, and I think first and foremost, you know, they should be congratulated for putting an outstanding performance on a Saturday night against, yep. against Liverpool. Uh, you know the, the lad up front. You know Saar and Troy Deeney mm. were real handfuls. Obviously, Saar was incredible. It was really good, and I think obviously you know thoughts with Delafeu. You know it was it was a, it was a bad one that he picked up as well, and I just think that it, it was it's been coming for us that and you know we went since we come back from the break we played Norwich away mm. and, and scraped to a one nil win at Carroll Road. We we lost to Atletico away. And West Ham gave us a real run last week uh, mm-hmm. at Anfield, and I think we were we were fortunate to come out of that with a three-two win. So y- you look at all these factors, and you think that this has been coming. And I think that what Liverpool's team need is rhythm. And when they when they were playing like three games a week, that's when they were achieving and and, and you know getting all the wins and stuff like that. When the lads are playing once a week, you know, like they have been doing, it, they just they're not sharp enough. Yeah. And I think. That was quite evident on on Saturday night. I thought that the, the, the majority of them just didn't show up on Saturday. I think that you know our defence was horrendous. All the back four were horrendous on Why Saturday night. Why is Lovren still at the football club? I don't know. It's and inexplicable. It that, is inexplicable. It? And it's, community service for club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when when I seen that he was in the starting lineup, 
you know, the, the, the WhatsApp messages start coming through and I was like, I fear the worst with him yeah. because he's he's an emotional defender and Troy Deeney said it quite well and he said Lovren just wanted to fight with him and get the upper hand on him and he wasn't watching the ball for two of the goals that, mm. you know, that went in. And I think Trent Alexander-Arnold, who had a very uncharacteristically poor game on Saturday, he was worried to death because he had Lovren next to him and... You've you've got to have confidence in the players next year, and yes, he's a character in the dressing room, and he's got bags of personality about him. Especially, but you know, I think the coconuts were a distraction. There's no shine away from that. Oh my it? word! <laughs> I had to get it. Remember, have you oh not seen? my word! I've got no idea. <laughs> have you not like seen just, the, the uh, to the Inception or something? <laughs> the, these uh, Liverpool have done an advert, a, a PR campaign for it's coconut water. I have, yeah. I have seen yeah. this. Yeah, advert. it's quite good actually. Yeah, it's very very funny. <laughs> but I think that you know, going back to, to the point, Lovren was absolutely horrific, and I think that that was probably was the nail in his coffin. Mm-hmm. That he will be going in summer. I think the club will probably fetch between fifteen and twenty million for him. You know, he still plays for Croatia. <laughs> Uh, West Ham and uh, Dominic Solanke 18 million that's all I have to say yeah you know and I I just think that you know even though if you look at Liverpool's front three obviously Mane Firmino Salah outstanding but there's games where they lack an end product uh, Mm. even though the the, the goals are earned the assists and all that there's times where like Atletico were they're having Bags of possession. They had seventy-one percent possession on Saturday night, but Watford had more shots on target, mm. more, um, you know, sh- uh, shots on goal, more, more, more. Well, more goals, so they obviously won the game. But you know, Liverpool had like seven hundred thirty odd passes versus Watford's three hundred. They mm. completely. Yep. boss the game but they've been undone by, by poor defending I don't want to talk too much about the game because like I say we covered that off on yesterday's podcast oh sorry mate. there's <laughs> there's obviously a question I'm going to ask which I think is going to get two very different results or two different answers from the two of you in the studio obviously Fergal's an Arsenal fan and Steve you're a Liverpool fan is the Invincibles thing an important element to win was that going to be a big tag for Arsenal was it important to keep hold of that Invincibles the gold trophy that you got in your cabinet at the Emirates and for Liverpool was it important to try and get that Uh, yeah it is important Uh, but under no circumstances which I think some Arsenal fans think it does does it um, be swapped for success Mm. and for trophies yeah Uh, obviously it's a brilliant record I remember when we took it off Forest and then went on to win the league but the issue is it, it kind of masks a lot of things. Arsenal fans can still hold on to that and say, yeah, there's success has vanished from the club for a long time, but we've still got this record. So, yeah, I am pleased. I, I'm not going to get out of my pram over it. We were chatting with Jay last night on the, uh, the Sunday Evening Review show and he was reminding me how many games we drew and how many games we were dreadful in. Uh, and I rem- reminded him that United didn't even get near us mm. that season. You know, mm. the, it's worth remembering. The little you, things. You can go an entire season unbeaten yeah. in the Premier League and still get relegated. Because you could get if you drew every game, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. thirty-eight points, which yeah. is relegation form. And, and, and 12, 12 draws in in that run demonstrates that we weren't absolutely amazing every single week. Yeah. And, and that's what Liverpool are. I don't mean this in a, in a condescending way. That's what Liverpool are learning now. Mm. Liverpool being this successful is new territory for them. Yeah, being this definitely. successful yeah. and being this consistent, consistent, you have to learn to roll with the punches. You have to realise that results away from home, like the Atletico Madrid result, are going to happen. Results like the Watford result are going to happen. You're going to have times where clever forwards like Deeney, like Saar, are going to target vulnerable defenders or young defenders when you've got important players like Henderson not playing and they'll get results. Mm. Nigel Pearson set them up to be incredibly organised. You mentioned the possession stats there. Watford don't care and and neither do Atletico Madrid. It's about the results at the end of the 90 minutes. Um, But in terms of Arsenal's record, yeah, I am pleased. Come on. Of course I'm pleased that we've kept it. And yes, of course I was a bit worried. I'd already kind of marked on the calendar when Steve (laughs) might be reminding me when they got to 50. Um, But no, it can't can't go on forever. I, I think it will be broken eventually. I did think Liverpool were going to break it. Can we compare the two teams, like Arsenal's Invincibles to Liverpool's current team, to maybe even City Centurions, maybe the United treble winning team? Is it possible to compare apples and oranges and go, this is the greatest team out of the four, or however many you add into that? It's very difficult, and and this was the point that Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher had when they they discussed it a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Football, which is, it's very difficult to separate the team from the career. You look at that United 99 team, of course, all of them are probably going to beat uh, the Liverpool side, aside from maybe Van Dijk, mm. because of the careers they've had. So it, it's really, really difficult to to measure them, particularly at this stage. And, and again, we're talking about a Liverpool side that have only been this successful for 18 months. And, you know, long periods of success are what you measure great players and great teams against. There's probably half a dozen players in that team that you would consider being 
in five years' time some of the best Premier League players we've seen. Mm. But there's still a hell of a long way to go. Even if they win the league, there's still a long way to go. How many, for example, how many Leicester players that were in the team that won the league would you consider among the greatest mm. Premier League players? Interesting you mentioned Leicester, because I was going to say something that might be verging on the Adrian Duran a little bit in terms of Careful. unnecessarily provocative. But are we giving Liverpool a little bit too much credit for what they're doing this season at the moment? And bear me with me on this one. Because when we look at Leicester City and the season they won the league, yes, and to take nothing away from Leicester City at all, that was an incredible season for mm-hmm. them. But the only reason they won the league was because the other teams around them were poor. Yeah. It was a season where all the big players suddenly dropped off. And this season feels a little bit similar. Careful. I'm not saying that Liverpool wouldn't win the league anyway or wouldn't (laughs) be winning the league anyway, but if it hadn't been for the form of other teams, there's no way they'd be 22 points ahead in this season. If City had started the season better and been more at the races, if the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea had been better, then Liverpool wouldn't have the lead they currently have. But Liverpool have played at a level... But maybe they've played other seasons while other teams have dropped off. I think that there might be something in that. I think, you know, Man City, excellent side. You know, Laporte. Steve says Liverpool are overrated. <laughs> There's the title of today's <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's uh, there is something in that because for, for you to win a championship, you, you know, you've got to have luck on your side, I think. You know, you've got to be relatively injury free. And I think, you, you, you know, you do need to kind of get that momentum going, you know, to achieve it. And I just think that, you know, it's a few things have 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 helped along the way. Mm. I think Laporte for Man City has been a massive miss. Yep. You know, the lad's having some real injury problems at the minute. And he, he's arguably the best centre-back in, in, in the mm. Premier League. It depends on where your allegiances are. It's a flip of a coin, it's him or it's Virgil, you know, who, who are streets ahead of, of everyone else, really. But I just think that... Um, you know, we found a way, we've dug in. I think, you know, we've had a better mentality than a lot of other teams in the league this season. I think, you know, there have been teams, times where Man City have, have, have capitulated and not really been at the races mentally. And I think that there's a lot of stuff going on at Man City at the minute, as we know, and I don't care what anyone says, that will be a distraction, you know, to what's going on on the pitch. And I just think that, um, you know, just talking about the record, I, I, you know, it's not really a big thing for mm. us. I said it on the podcast in the past. We weren't that concerned about it, and I've just had a couple of WhatsApps come through off off a mate of mine, and, and um, he is uh, he knows someone very high up in Liverpool, uh, and I won't say who it is because you know, um, but he's on the board, and he said like you know the players are, are utterly exhausted in every way possible, and the main feeling after the game is relief. Uh, that, um, pressure off. Yeah, it's, he said it's like a monkey off the backs. Uh, that the the whole talk of records and going unbeaten was having quite a big effect on the squad. When would you start to worry? When would you start to be concerned if this loss at the weekend turns into a wobble? So Chelsea next weekend got at Chelsea. their place. No, we've got Chelsea Tuesday night. I think. Was it Chelsea In Tuesday night? Yeah, yeah, we've got Chelsea okay. at, the, at the end of the FA Cup. Then now we've got, got Bournemouth who are fighting for their lives Bournemouth after that. Bournemouth at home. Then we've got Everton away. Then we've got Palace at home. And you Atletico know, Madrid mixed into all Atletico that. Madrid. I mean, it's difficult to imagine that you're not going to get those four wins between now and the end of the season that you need. I mean, presuming City continue to win as well. It's four wins that are needed to secure the title now. It's difficult to imagine you not getting them, but when do you start to panic a little bit and go, well, we're going to do it again? This this is our Gerard slip. I don't think I was coming into a podcast like this this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm under attack. Ambush. <laughs> Being ambushed there. I just think that, uh, what have we got left? Ten games, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the reality is I think Liverpool will lose a couple more games before the end of the season. There's no doubt about that. Do I think they'll lose six or seven games between now and the end of the season? Out of the ten, probably not. I think uh, there's... Um, I think... What they'll do is that that lead will be chopped into. There's no doubt about it. But I think they'll they'll get over the line. I think with about nine points, nine well, or ten points. Will that take the sheen off it a little bit? No, not at all. Because when we've not won the the, the league for for thirty years, mm. that's the be all and end all for us. The, the the records don't matter. Being compared with the Invincibles or the Centurions, it doesn't matter to us. We've got to get that proverbial monkey off our back of winning a Premier League title because we've had the success in Europe. We've had a little bit of success domestically in terms of trophies and. And, and that, you know, since we we won the league, and I think when we do win that Premier League, you know, it's it, it changes a lot of things as a club. It changes our, our kind of mentality. It changes our standing in world football because Liverpool are the best team to never win the yeah. Premier League, yeah. and that's got to be the main focus. That you know, that, that I, I was I was conflicted because 
We've got Chelsea tomorrow night in the in the FA Cup at Stamford Bridge. I play the first team. I know he's been playing the kids, you know, in, in the round because I get him to do another game for, for the for the rhythm, to yeah, try yeah. and get into a bit of rhythm with him. Um, I think, you know, go out, have another run out, lads, and, I, you know, try and kind of shake some of these cobwebs off because it's, we, we've got to be active. That squad has got to be very active and they've got to be playing games quite regularly. And I think that there's going to be a freedom about Liverpool now because, they, you know, they've, they've won 18 on a the bounce. They've not managed to surpass Man City with that because it was 17 last time, wasn't yeah. it? And then they've done 18 this time to draw mm. with them. And I think going into a game when you're chasing for the title, you know, it does put a lot of pressure on you. And I think it'd be welcome to not have mm. that. We need to win to keep the run going. And I think that, you know... I'm quite kind of pragmatic about it. I think we do need an out-and-out goal scorer in Liverpool. I think we've got one signed, obviously, but it's not being announced yet. Um, and I do think that there'll be a bit of re- replenishing and freshening up Which in summer. Which has to be. It always has to it be. It has to be. And I don't agree with Sam Allardyce on a lot of stuff, but when he kind of said, when Liverpool have two very quiet summers and a, yeah. a quiet January, you, you have got to be kind of you know, evolving the squad. Yeah. And I think that... You know, there is probably, there's got to be seven or eight players that go out, will we'll generate over 100 million in sales from that, and we go out and we spend on it's three a, or four it's a balance, really good isn't it? players. It's a yeah. balance between not upsetting the apple cart some seasons and like keeping a tight <laughs> unit and then maybe moving on the next season yeah. and trying to rebuild. But you're right. I mean, if it had come down to the last game of the season and it had been a Premier League victory by one point, it would still mean the same as it would winning the league. Yeah, by no one's, no one's going to be asked two, two years a, down the line. The You're still champions, yeah. Right, let's crack on. Let's move on to our heroes and villains from the weekend. We'll do our heroes, then we'll take a little break and we'll come back and do our villains. I'm going to kick off with my hero from the weekend because my hero is Phil Foden. Because mm. as you know by now, Manchester City have won the Manchester City Cup, otherwise known as the Carabao Cup. Three <laughs> league cups on the bounce for them. Yay. Eight out of nine <laughs> domestic trophies. Brilliant, absolutely Which fantastic. is incredible. But Phil Foden was the driving force that saw Manchester City lift that trophy yesterday. Many people saying he can be the man to replace David Silva next season now. But for me, the reason he's a hero is the way he's handled himself at Manchester City over the last few seasons. Because undoubtedly, he would have been frustrated by what has been a lack of game time. No matter what City fans tell you, he hasn't had as much game time as maybe he should have for the up-and-coming talent he is. But when he has had the opportunity, he has taken that opportunity. He has performed well. Yesterday, as I said, man of the match, five shots on top, five shots on goal, one assist, 90% pass completion as well. And what I absolutely loved about the whole of the performance was the tweet he sent after the game. Did you see this? Yeah. So he put 2012, I was an 11-year-old City fan watching Aguero win us the first Premier League title. 2020, and he attached a picture of him celebrating the winning goal with Sergio Aguero, which just seems like he's caught in some kind of wormhole time loop to me. (laughs) But it is reality. And I think Phil Foden's the kind of player that every team needs, that homegrown player that is the connection with the fans, that loves the football club, that believes in the football club. And next season has to be the season for him now. He's got to kick on. He's got Mm. to play regularly. It's a difficult one, though, because you look at the players in that City team and the way that Guardiola plays... Who does he take the place of? Who does he replace? It's David Silva. But in, enough to start, enough to start every game. If they're going to play Gundogan and Rodri, if they want to have a little mm. bit more of a, a stable system in the middle of the pitch, I'm not doubting him. I think he's, I think he's an excellent player. Played really well yesterday, as you mentioned. I just find it difficult to see where he gets in on a consistent basis. Not because he's not good enough, but I just. I think, generally speaking, you go with the house on these things of experienced players in the Premier League. I and get what you mean, but if that's the case, then he needs to leave. Mm. Because Pot- I mean, there Potentially, some, there, yeah. There that, people, that's a conversation we have to be realistic about. There were people talking to him about getting a chance in the European Championships this summer. There's no way that's going to happen because he just hasn't played enough first-team football. Even if he plays between now and the end of the season, I don't think he will be considered by Gareth no. Southgate because of that. And he he should be doing that. The talent he has, he should be an um, England regular or certainly in the squad. Mm. But, but as you say, he's not playing. So like he wouldn't be in the conversation where he's got the likes of James Madison, Jack mm. Grealish in front of him. This is not a slight on Foden. I, th- I think he's an excellent footballer. But Guardiola has been very, very cagey with managing his progress. And yeah, he's obviously said, look at what I've done with younger players in the past, particularly at Barcelona. But given the team they've got, given the fact that they're probably not going to win the league, they're going to be under pressure this summer to spend. You know, If we remove the Champions League ban from all of this, considering the fact that that could get overturned or suspended mm. or halved or whatever... City haven't got the patience to go, we're going to put our eggs in this basket and say, Foden, we want you to play a key role. No matter how good you are, 
they're going to be under pressure to go and either buy someone or have an experienced international to just slot into that midfield because they cannot let Liverpool run away with the league next year. They need to perform every single what game. What age is he now? 19, isn't he? 19 or 20. Well, if he was 11, we're working out from his tweet. He was 11 in 2012, so that, that makes him... I didn't know there'd be maths ago. involved. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 20, he's 20 years old then, isn't okay, he? 20. He's coming up to 20 years old. Pivotal time for him, great player, needs to be playing week in, week out, and I think... A big thing will be if City go out and spend 50, 60 million quid in the midfielder in summer. Yeah. Because that, that is almost like one nail in the coffin, isn't it, for him? Where they've got to back the kid at some point. They've got to go, actually, we've developed you, we've brought you through. Here's your chance. Because, you know, if you look at other players like your Lampard, your Gerrard, your Scholes, your Beckhams, etc., they all got chances very, very young in life. And and they, they took the shirt and made it their own. And I think this kid's got the ability to do to do it all. I think he's fantastic. I think the struggle is the Euros aren't going to happen for him unless he goes no. as part of a squad. Um, he, like you said, you've mentioned Jack Grealish, who has been outstanding this season, and you know James Madison, who's also had a great season as well. And that's before you do factor in the likes of Henderson and people like Oxley Chamberlain and. You know, and other players that are, that are making the you know the the England squad. So I feel for him, but it's a big summer, uh, and we'll see what happens with him. It's difficult for him to make that call as well, isn't it? As a City fan, if he go, if he realizes it's time for me to leave this football club, it's very difficult for him to get, make that decision to leave, even yeah. if he's not getting the game time as a City fan. Anyway, that's my hero for his performance in the final at the weekend. Phil Foden is my hero. Fergal, who are you going for? Uh, I'm going for someone that definitely gets not enough attention. Uh, Jordan Ayew scored the winner at the weekend against Brighton, probably edged Crystal Palace to staying up. They've not quite hit the magic 40-point mark. Um, we always talk about Palace and how organised and hard to beat they are mm. and a bit of a one-man team going forward in terms of Wilfred Zaha. But when you look at the numbers... This is something that I thought was really, really impressive. Jordan Ayew scored seven Premier League goals this season. He's won 15 points for Crystal Palace. Five of them have been winners wow. and two of them have been late goals to either draw or, or win a game. So, again, listen, he's, he's not the most amazing of footballers. He's not the most aesthetically pleasing in terms of uh, his ability on the ball, but he's very effective. He gets on the end of Benteke knockdowns. Wilf Sahar creates so much space that he can uh, he can get his chances. And I think, no, he's not going to win player of the year. He's not going to win the team of the season. Of course he's not. But he's somebody in that area of the table that is worth their weight in gold, just like Danny Ings. He scores so many important goals at important times. It's all well and good if you're 3-0 down scoring or getting a penalty here or scoring in the last minute here and there. Scoring goals to get points for a team that's always going to be there or thereabouts battling for their lives. And Ayu's done that for them this season. So yeah, Jordan Ayu's my hero from the weekend. Cracking goal as well. Scored at the right time in the game when Brighton looked like they might get a goal. So yeah, he, he gets the hero tag for me. Two things I'd say about that. You're completely right. To score that amount of goals and important goals in a team that creates very, very little yep. is really impressive for Crystal Palace. The other thing I'd say is I think he cost two million quid Bargain. In the summer. <laughs> what, what, what player can you get for two million quid? Not like one that's going to get your goals. Yeah, he's, he, he goes into that basket of when we talk about free transfers that have gone on to become brilliant players, someone like Milner with Liverpool. And, you know, there's, there's various ones dotted all around the Premier League. But that sort of value for what is the most expensive commodity in, in professional football, which is a goal scorer, mm. is a ridiculous deal. He's an absolutely ridiculous deal. When you look at some of the money that's been thrown around, um, I don't know if Marley's going to listen to this, but a certain <laughs> Mr Linton uh, up at St James's Park yeah. who cost 30, 30 plus, and he's got one league goal this season. I mean, come on. You are, you have to look a bit... You have to be a bit more cute in the market when you're looking for a player, when you're working with a budget and you know what you need. And, and Palace and Hodgson have done that. Steve, who are you going for for your villain? I am Sorry, your hero. Sorry, my hero. <laughs> yeah, hero. Uh, my hero this weekend is it's got to be Nigel Pearson for me. I think the unfashionable wood chip Nigel Pearson. <laughs> because wood chip manager, I like that. He's uh, you know he's he's probably you know he's not in anyone's thoughts for these you know top management jobs or anything like that. But he started he started something at Leicester. Mm. He's figured out the puzzle with Liverpool at the weekend, and he's made he's made a team that have, are running away with the championship look absolutely ordinary. And you know, disciplined, you know, has his moments in the media where he has a bit of a meltdown and says really stupid things. Yeah. But there's a different steel about Nigel Pearson when he's at Watford this time, I think. And tactically, he, he got it spot on on Saturday night, and I think you know that's a part of his game that's that's not talked about enough. And I think fair dues to him. I fancy him to get Watford out out of the mire, which was the brief that he got. You know when he took over a couple of months back, and he's 
it, it, fair play to him for Saturday. He was his team was so impressive on Saturday night, and some of the signings that have been made by the club and you know the way that he's got them playing, you know, in particular Saad and, and Troy Deeney and. Um, I can't remember the lad in midfield. What's the, who's the lad in midfield? Decore. Decore. Um, absolutely fantastic. And I, you know, I wish Nigel Pearson and his team well. What happens to Nigel Pearson at the end of the season? Do you keep him on? Do you think they do? Because Watford like to change managers. They have an ambition to be a football club that plays different football to the football that Nigel Pearson plays. And Nigel Pearson for them has been the escape artist, the panic appointment, <laughs> yeah. hasn't it? It's very difficult to get rid of him, given some of the performances he's got and considering the turnaround of form... But I still think it's, Watford's a funny club. The Pozos are funny manager, funny mm. owners. Yeah, I think they could still twist and make a change. I think what when you've had a season like this, and I expect, I expect Watford to stay up. I think you know Bournemouth and Norwich will be two of the three, and I think it'll either be be West Ham or Newcastle that you know potentially will be the other one. I think that they need to understand where their place is in the Premier League now just because they spent big money on Alexis Saar I think 40 million quid for him on deadline day mm. in, in, yeah he did what, cost quite it? a bit yeah. um, consolidate be top of the bottom half of the table next season and I think Nigel Pearson can probably get you that I don't think you'll ever be kind of doing the Wolves and mm. you know finishing 6th or 7th or, or anything north of that but I just think consolidate don't be in a relegation battle you know survive, just getting mid-table and getting that mix um, you know, the likes of the Palaces, Everton's, Arsenal's and Burnley's of this world and, and just go from there but give the lad next season as well because, you know, it looked pretty grim at one point, didn't yeah, it, for yeah. Watford? I uh, thought they were done. We thought they were done and, you know, Norwich have gone into free falls since and they're now admittedly planning for life in the Championship mm. again, aren't they? And I think that if he can kind of get, you know, string together out of the next 10 games another three or four wins, that'll do them. And that'll be a massive round of applause due to that guy, I think. That wraps up our heroes from the weekend. We're going to get on to the villains, the really fun bit in a minute. We'll do that after the break. Plus, we're going to talk FA Cup action. It's Arsenal versus Portsmouth tonight. We've got an Arsenal fan in the studio. We'll be speaking to a Portsmouth fan too. We'll do that in a bit on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We've done the heroes. Let's do the villains from the weekend's action. I'll kick off with my villain because there is yet more calls for David De Gea to call time in his Manchester United career. He is my villain after another mistake versus Everton, which is becoming all too irregular occurrence for a top flight goalkeeper no goalkeeper has made more mistakes that have resulted directly in goals for the opposition this season and this is for a player who was once seen as a brick wall for Manchester United who's rescued many points for them in the past so is it time for David De Gea to step back and maybe Lee I mean go back bear in mind with that stat about mistakes leading to goals this is a season where we've had Roberto in goal for West Ham as well which makes it even more (laughs) significant but it kind of feels like it's time for De Gea to leave Manchester United now for me I think and I don't think he's got turned into a bad goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination I think he's just gone a bit stale I think it's time to move on and have that new challenge but he's certainly looking like with Dean Henderson waiting in the wings as well it could be time for Manchester United to cash in I think so. I think the issue for De Gea is, has his window of opportunity closed? Like we all remember Real Madrid, broken fax machine, etc. They've got (laughs) Thibaut Courtois now and he's one of the best keepers in the world. He's on a long-term contract. They're not going to get rid of him to bring in De Gea. Atleti, his old club, have got Jan Oblak, who's streets ahead of De Gea as it stands. So it's not so much a case of United cashing in. They'd have to find somebody willing to buy him. PSG may be an option. They've got Navas at the minute and he's Juventus. He's, no- he's knocking on. Chelsea have Is been he- mentioned as a potential destination. More of the same, I um, think. that. But again, I think in order to, as you say, kind of refresh himself and get himself back to the level that he was at, because Jim, you're right in saying, talking two seasons ago, three seasons ago, he was incredible. Interesting stat I read this morning. He's had the most appearances in the PFA team of the year than any other player mm. in the history of the wow. Premier League. So that shows how highly rated he is mm. by his fellow professionals and by people within the game. But something does seem to have changed. His eye just doesn't look... Look as, he doesn't look as dead-eyed anymore in terms mm. of his performances. But I think in order for him to refresh and get back to the level that he was at, I think he needs to leave the Premier League. But his options are limited. And 
many times with PSG, PSG has been the graveyard for people's mm. careers because it's seen as the place for talented players, but haven't got all the bits of the jigsaw to be mm. an, a top level player consistently winning trophies. So I would be worried in terms of what the next year or so holds. As you say, the shouts for Henderson are only going to get louder. He's been very clear that he's enjoying being at Sheffield United, but he wants to be number one for Manchester United. Jay made a good point on the review show last night where he said even Romero's better than him in terms of consistency. So mm. there's a lot of pressure on him and, and I would be concerned both for his career at United and what could be next for De Gea if he does move on. What I thought was interesting about the goal that he made a mistake for at the weekend, so he dilly-dallied on the ball, I think he kept it for seven seconds at mm. his feet or something, made a late clearance when there were short passes available, Calvert-Lewin just happened to get in the way. It was a bit unlucky that it ended up in the back of the net as far as David De Gea is concerned. But it looked like a lack of confidence in his teammates, if you know what I mean. He's used to playing with one of the world's best teams mm. in front of him bar the last maybe four seasons. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was just that kind of, I've got these options, but I don't trust anyone to take the ball. And in the end, he went for the long option to yeah. kind of just clear his lines. And that was his undoing in the end. So I wonder how much of it is David Hare and how much of it is the team that's playing in front of him and the lack of faith he maybe has in his teammates. Maybe there might be something in that. I think Harry Maguire, decent signing for United. I don't think he's massively pulled up any trees since he since he joined, but he has made him a bit more solid. I think you know Wan Bissaka. There's a, there's a, there's a player in there somewhere who's a bit a de- bit more development to be required in them. I think left back and and the other centre back position are are a problem for United really. Mm. And I think you've got to have confidence in your back four in front of you because if you've not, panic comes in. And then when you filter into that. Word his mind probably is at the minute. It, it's a recipe for disaster, and it was it was a really really poor goal to concede that you know when Calvin Lewis, Cal, what's his name, Calvin, Calvin Lewis, Lewis. Uh, had the had the um, you know the, the the drive and ambition to try and get on the end of something yeah. because we've seen it happen before many many times. Remember Andy Cole scoring a very similar yeah. goal for Newcastle, He's, yeah. And I just think it's time for a uh, for a conscious uncoupling, <laughs> of, uh, you know, of, uh, of Manchester United and David de Gea. I think. You know they're in it. They're actually in quite a good spot, Man United, here because yeah. they've got this young English goalkeeper yeah. Dean Henderson, who is brilliant, who's been yeah. outstanding for Sheffield United, calm, measured, composed, and and a presence as well in the box. And you've got what really is an asset that is probably slightly depreciating at the minute in, in David de Gea. Still and I worth think, thirty million quid. Though. I think they probably get a little bit more than that for him if, if if we're going to be kind to him. But I could see someone like Juventus coming in for him because they've got mm. Buffon in goal at the minute, haven't they? And um, Chesney, Chesney. Chesney's the backup. But I think if you ask Juventus and said, "Are you absolutely kind of nailed on with Chesney when when um, you know Buffon?" Goes off for pastures new because he's he's celebrating his fifty seventh birthday. Um, <laughs> I think you know would they go in and, and throw in some money on David yeah. de Gea because he's got you know he'd have a decent defence in front of him, wouldn't he? With Kaylini and, and Bonucci in front of him, and um, I could see something like that happen. I, I agree with Fergal. PSG is a graveyard. It's a poor league, the mm. French the French first division. Stephen Fletcher looked great at Marseille in that league, <laughs> and um, I just think that you know just it, it's time to go. You know we've had a good run. We've won some trophies. He's he's won some awards and. It's time for him as a relatively young man still, because what is he about twenty eight, something mm. like that now? I think that you know, which is peak years for a keeper. which is peak yeah. years between that and say thirty six, thirty seven. You know, and I think he could go and still rescue a decent career somewhere else, and I think there'll, there'll be opportunity for him. Right, let's get your villain, please, Fergal. Um, I do kind of pile in on him often, <laughs> and that's just because I enjoy it. Uh, Mourinho again. Um, he, he just he refuses to take responsibility for any of the issues that he's involved with. Mm. And time and time again, we're seeing this. You know, we kind of joke about how long is it going to take him to burn the house down? Look at what happened at United. It's already happening at Tottenham. Mm. We see the situation that they've got injuries. There's no Kane. There's no Son. Okay. But the problems seem to be the other end of the pitch for Tottenham, weirdly, don't they? But that, and that, so that's what I was going to say. That was exactly the issue yesterday. Oh, sorry, for As, sorry no, thunder. No, no, no. <laughs> he always does yeah, that, this, was, this is This is Mourinho style. Um, yeah, leaves Vertonghen and Alderweireld on the bench. They're both clearly fit. They're both able to play. And they were sat on the bench looking at each other like, what is going on? Why are we not playing? Mm. Why are they not playing? They're pl- not playing because Mourinho wants to prove a point. He goes for a back three against one of the most potent counter-attacking yeah. teams in the league and plays Jafat Tanganga and Ben Davies, who are, who are full-backs by trade, as centre-backs and puts a load of pressure on the young lad Tanganga, a load of pressure on Sanchez to be the organiser in between those three. 
and then gets annoyed at full time when they've conceded three goals from a team that's banging form and are almost the antithesis of what he's trying to do at, at Tottenham Football Club. And sympathy for him is running, is running low. I mean, you know, far be it for me to have sympathy for Tottenham, but that is the situation. You're making not just a rod for your own back, you're making rod after rod after rod for your own back. We get the situation with the strikers. I'm not going to get into my mate Troy Parrott that he only gave 45 seconds to. That's another podcast. Um, but the defensive situation, if there's one area where you've got a bit of strength and you've got a bit of experience, it's at the back. Mm. But he's so arrogant and he's so determined. What point was he trying to, to prove, prove then? You said he's going to try and prove a point. What point was he trying to prove? The, the point that he's trying to prove is that his hands are tied and that results that are going against them are not his fault because mm. of issues with the players, be that injury, be that issues with attitude. And he's coming out and saying there's issues with Aldebarreld. When you came in, the priority you made was giving contracts to him, Vertonghen and Eriksson. You didn't do it with Ericsson, but you made this massive deal about how crucial them two were. Gave Alderweire the new contract when he possibly wanted out. And now you're sticking him on the bench for a game against the European rival just because you want the narrative to be about you. Mm. So it's an ego thing. Yeah, Yeah, as as it always is with him. And and what happened at United is already happening at Tottenham. It's just happening much faster. How long's his contract at Tottenham? Uh, th- four, three, either three and a half or four and a half when he came in. When did he go in? October time. October, like yeah. It does seem to be that fuse. With each job he takes, the fuse that gets lit between his appointment and the demolition of the football club, the explosion of Jose Mourinho's, what was considered his third season at any club, is getting shorter <laughs> and shorter. And this could be the shortest yet. He could be gone by the time the season ends. If it continues the way it's going, maybe. Potentially. I think that might be a bit... I think he might get another full season um, just in terms of an investment. Like Levy's a, a pretty sharp cat. He won't want to have to pay him an enormous mm. uh, settlement fee if, if he leaves. Um, but like so many situations in football, players or managers, it's all about timing. If he was to go, who's potentially waiting in the wings? You know, We're not going to get Pochettino back or anything like that. And, and Stranger things have happened, though. They mate. have, but I think... And I said this when he was appointed... You reap what you sow in these situations. They wanted Mourinho when they first got Pochettino. When things were a little bit rocky with Pochettino after about 18 months, they were fluttering their eyelashes at Mourinho again. And now they've got him. And they've got exactly what they deserve. And I said this a number of times, the two main players in this did no homework on each other. Mourinho is a manager that loves money and sticks his tongue out if he doesn't get money. And Levy is a chairman that mm. consistently tries to do things on a tighter and tighter everyone, budget. Everyone why, why knew was it, that. Why was everyone it, knew but exactly, that. But why was it go, ever going to work? It never was. We, we said it on the podcast. We said it was a, it was a, you know, it was a strange marriage between the two. You know, you've got one who's kind of quite lavish and, you know, does want it to be all about him, and you've got another guy who's quite miserly and tries to do everything on a shoestring. And mm. there's just no way that them two can spark. Mm. And I think. It's it's just another Tottenham Hotspur season, isn't it? Uh, you know, and and it's just you know all the 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 ingredients could be there at Tottenham to do mm. it. You know, new stadium, commercially very successful. You know, Champions League finalists last season, some really good players in that squad, and it just doesn't. Yet again, it's just not working, is it? And I think that the lo- I think they'll, they'll lose ground on the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea next season. Final villain to complete the set, please, Steve. Oh, fire could have picked from two here uh, I could have had Jordan Pickford for another mistake at the weekend mm. uh, which I could wax lyrical about how he's in no way shape or form fit to be England number one in the Euros I agree but we won't I'm going to go in on Day in Lovren uh, which uh, Poor might, come, <laughs> might come to us as a surprise to some people tuning into the podcast today um, I just think that the guy is if Joe Gomez is injured for Liverpool you know before the game starts that's your opportunity to come in and make that shirt your own, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? By just being rock solid, being calm, measured, assured. And he's just had a brain fart after brain fart after brain fart. And he's caught, I think, you know, he, he was the architect in, in what was a, a disaster for Liverpool mm. on Saturday. And I think that he affected other players on the pitch by with his rash and poor decision making. And he, he hasn't got enough focus when he's on the pitch. And I think that... You know, for a team that you know you'd hope would be champions, but I've seen on you know Jamie Carragher saying on Sky Sports like that Liverpool need to win the league or Champions League for Klopp to consider a season of success. <laughs> Suddenly, there's there's a seed of doubt being planted in everyone, hasn't there? Yeah. And you know, and and that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. And and if we're gonna have it right. I'm worried to death now uh, because you were on about me for months to come out and say that it was done. Uh, you finally got it out of me after weeks uh, when we went, I think, 22 points clear. And, and now there's a little, there's a little like chink in the arm, isn't there? You know, where you're thinking, actually, they're, they're a bit vulnerable at the minute. Here's what worries me for Liverpool. 
is oh they're almost they're almost victims of their own success. Slowly yeah. this season, teams have become more and more structured when playing Liverpool. And now Every game, we're seeing eight, nine men behind the ball. Almost eight, nine men defences yeah. playing against Liverpool. To score against eight, nine men, you need 20-odd chances. Yeah. And you don't always make 20-odd chances, but in creating those chances, Liverpool do look occasionally vulnerable on the break as well, mm. which is exactly what happened at the weekend. It is, and it's quite interesting because you, you, you've just summed it up. There was many times where we were attacking and suddenly there was a line of nine Watford players on the box, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. And they were leaving the kind of big man up front on his own. And, um, you know, they've played us to perfection. And I think sometimes, I know we're, we're uh, you know, digressing slightly from Dayan's, um, you know, ineptitude but um, I think that uh, we Liverpool do you remember years ago they used to say to Arsenal they try and pass it in all the time mm. and it's that intricate and no one wellies it from outside the no. box and has a pop from 30 yards and stuff like that I think there's a bit of that about Liverpool now I'm being ultra critical though when I say that because we at the end of the day we're still you know looking like we'll win the championship and we're still in the, the knockout stages of the Champions League just um, but I just wish that we would smash it in from 30 yards. The technicians mm. that Liverpool have got and the, the people that can shoot in that team as well. Yeah. I think there's every player in that team that can shoot, even the goalkeeper, you know. Mm. But I just think for me, I think he, he wasn't the only one on the pitch on Saturday, but I just think that he had a negative impact on the rest of the team. It's interesting that a bit of credit has to go to Joe Gomez now because he's been... Not criticised this season, but maybe had some of the credit he deserves taken away from him by saying anyone would look good playing with Virgil van Dijk next to him. But van Dijk Lovren- looks better with yeah. Gomez well, next to him. Lovren's proved that not everyone looks good playing next <laughs> no, to Virgil yeah, van Dijk. There's a, there's a stat knocking about where um, <laughs> I think in five in five Liverpool games that, that van Dijk's lost. And if you think that in five Premier Leagues he's lost since being at Liverpool for two and a half years, that, that yeah. is incredible. Um, Lovren started four of them <laughs> and uh, you know there is that where, where Joe Gomez is turning into an I think a really really good centre half and I think for me I think he should start for England in summer um, you know next to Maguire um, and I think you know them two could maybe form a bit of a mm. partnership but you know, Joe Gomez suddenly is a massive miss for Liverpool, but, you know, Henderson's a huge miss for Liverpool as well. He's the heartbeat of that team. And, um, you know, it's everything that, that can go wrong on a pitch did on Saturday, and that's just the way it is. You know, nothing we can do. Right, that's our villains wrapped up. Let's talk about tonight's football because there is a game. It's Portsmouth versus Arsenal. Again, I'm not sure since when we've started having FA Cup games on a Monday night, but that's the lot we've been given so we're going to have to deal with it Uh, we've got Fergal who's obviously an Arsenal fan in the studio and not wanting to miss his chance to finally talk about Portsmouth we've got Niall McCorn on the phone (laughs) hey hey, hey, boys how's it going yeah not bad you're you're not in the studio today because you're actually heading down to Fratton Park later for the match as well yeah yeah, we're in the car on the way down to Fratton now so the sun's shining down south for once I think the first day of 2020 but it's actually been sunny, so <laughs> yeah. looking forward to it. It should be good. Now, Arsenal by far and away the favourites for this one, Fergal. But, Niall, Fratton Park, tough place to go? Yeah. Hey. Well, this season, I think you, uh, you probably can ring the cliche bell for that because in the league, Portsmouth haven't lost at home this season. And only Liverpool, as Steve would know, and Portsmouth are the two unbeaten home teams. Uh, in the top four professional leagues of English football this season. So Fratton Park has been a fortress. The only grace that Arsenal can take from it is that the only sort of time Pompey have lost this season was in September against the Premier League team. And that was against our bitter rivals down the M27, which we don't really want to talk about. So casting that aside, um, Fratton Park has been a difficult place to go. The football hasn't been vintage. And I think some of the Pompey fans are are probably a little bit concerned coming up against uh, what is a, a quality side in Arsenal. They're one of the historic clubs in this country so to come up against them is is a good test for our league one players and uh to be the last and the lowest ranked team left in the competition it is you know it's an achievement arsenal will be a little bit maybe looking to recover from the fact they got knocked out to olympiacos and i think there will be a few changes and although some pompey fans might think those changes might benefit us i think actually it might do the opposite to be honest i think some of the players that arteta is going to bring in like holding and maitland niles are kind of champing at the bit to really get their opportunity. And uh, I think they're probably players more suited to an atmosphere like Fratton Park, whereas if someone like Mustafi might play, I don't, you know, we know he's mistake prone anyway, and some of the Arsenal players are. And I think in a colder atmosphere like Fratton, I think that that might be intensified. So some of the changes Arteta might make, I think, could be a blessing in disguise for Arsenal. 
the Europa League result, Fergal, has actually put a bit of intensity into this game, hasn't it? Because Arteta was talking about avenues to the Champions League and they had these different options of potentially qualifying. With the Europa League gone, the FA Cup is now a serious option to get in Champions League football. It is, because let's not forget Arsenal, for all the issues they've had over the last few seasons, they've always taken the FA Cup seriously. Most successful team in the history of the competition. And Arteta himself, he won it twice as a player. Mm. Um, I don't think they'll be taking this game or the FA Cup lightly. Yet, within the context of getting knocked out of the Europa League, that obviously narrows down routes for winning trophies and qualifying for the Champions League. But I don't think there was ever much danger of Arteta taking either Portsmouth lightly or the FA Cup lightly. And as Niall rightly says the team that he puts out will decide how this game goes. And I think as we go through the stage of the competition, if we if we beat Portsmouth tonight, you'll see the sides, the starting 11s getting stronger and stronger in terms of the players that are included. Mm. But as Niall mentioned, Fratton Park is going to be really, really difficult, really, really difficult, not just for the young players, but for our so-called experienced players who do have a tendency to lose their head at important moments like Mustafi. So much like uh, Steve mentioned before with Lovren, it's about picking the right players for the battle ahead picking the right players for that atmosphere. You don't have to get into a a battle with someone. You don't have to make a big name for yourself. You just have to be efficient, professional and do your job. Is there a chance of an upset tonight, Niall? Because, I mean, obviously the focus still has to be getting out of League One, doesn't it? But the FA Cup's a nice distraction to have. Yeah, well, this is the thing, Jim. The fans want to go up to the Championship so badly. Um, you know, we've been down there in the lower leagues. We, you know, we were in the Premier League in 2010. It's actually 10 years this week since Portsmouth were the first Premier League club to go into administration, which is just staggering to think it was a decade ago already. And then by 2013, so just three years later, we're in League Two. And we've been in the bottom two leagues ever since for the last seven years. So we've been trying our sort of guts off to get up to the, to the top two tiers. I think Portsmouth are probably a championship club. I wouldn't go as far as to say we're a Premier League side. So the fans are definitely keen to get promoted this year. We missed out last year, lost in the playoffs. We were top of the league for maybe from August until February. And then we had a terrible run of eight games without a win. And that kind of killed our chances. But also we got to the Checker trade final, which we're in again this year. We did all right in the FA Cup last season as well. The problem is, by the time the end of the season comes around, Pompey could have played 60, 70 games nearly, which is just staggering to think about. And, you know, we've spoken on the podcast as well about having a winter break and whatnot Mm. and how that affects the players. Um, So I think there are a few fans concerned about getting out of of League One, considering the amount of games we've got to play. But if you actually look at Portsmouth's team, uh, Ronan Curtis, who Berg will know a lot about being an Irish international, Mm -hmm. he's actually uh, a big Arsenal fan, and so are his 10 brothers and sisters, multiple siblings, um, and they're all going to be in the crowd uh, with split allegiances, wanting their brother to do well, but also being Arsenal supporters, they'll have a maybe a penchant for them. Um, Sean Raggett, who's on loan at us from Norwich, he's an Arsenal fan. Uh, Christian Burgess, another one of our centre-halves, was at the Arsenal Academy. So there will be players on the pitch tonight who will definitely want to cause an upset against uh, a club that they have you know, fond feelings for. It would be amazing if Portsmouth win this game, but I wouldn't be too gutted if we lose. Give us a prediction then. Before we go, let's get a prediction from you and Fergal as to what the tonight's game is going to hold. I'll be happy if we score, but I can't see anything but a strong Arsenal win. I mean, Aubameyang's, gonna, Aubameyang's really upset that he missed a chance against Olympiacos. And I think he personally feels responsible. So I think you're going to see a, a wounded animal in Aubameyang tonight. I think he's going to... Well, as soon as Arsenal score one, I think it could be floodgates, unfortunately. I, I fancy... I hate backing against my own team, but I fancy a convincing Arsenal win. If we score, I'll be happy. So I don't know about an actual scoreline, but I, I can't see Pompey pulling it off, to be honest. Fergal, you going with that one? Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be as um, much of a clear-cut thing as, as Niall might think. We've found it difficult in the FA Cup so far this season. Leeds gave us a really good go in the third round and then we kind of scraped past Bournemouth in, in the fourth round. Uh, I do think we'll win, but I don't think it'll be goal-filled. I think Portsmouth make it really, really difficult for us. But as he said, with Aubameyang, Eddie Niketa I think will play as well. We should have enough, little bit of quality to get a goal or two. I, I would say 2-0 if I was going for a prediction. Tom, man, cheers, Niall. Enjoy the game, mate. Nice one, boys. Speak Cheers, mate. See you now. Right, let's wrap up with a little bit of news on the back pages of the papers. And it concerns Daniel Sturridge, who has cancelled his contract with his Turkish team that I always have an absolute nightmare trying to pronounce. <laughs> Bear with me. Trabzonspor. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. Is that, well done. Is that all right? Brilliant. Right, well, he's cancelled his contract by mutual consent. So we don't mm. know the entire story behind it, whether it's club-driven, whether it's player-driven. <clears throat> Scored 7-13 in 13 
games, yeah. which isn't a bad return for Daniel Sturridge, but you have to remember they're 24 games into the season. So he spent 11 <laughs> games injured, not playing, <laughs> supposedly injured, maybe, who knows. Do you think we're going to see him back in the Premier League? Because obviously he's a free agent now, which means he can go and join anyone. I think we will do. I think so. I think he, he could probably come in and do a job for one of the relegation-threatened teams. Um, you know, a bit, bit more firepower for them. You know, if you're looking at who's at the bottom of the table there and you think, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for... for I mean, I'd say Norwich is probably out of the equation, but I think Villa isn't isn't a bad bet for mm. him. Uh, you know, Bournemouth, maybe a bit too far down south for him. Um, but, you know, West Ham... Might, might fancy West Ham, you know, the biggest football club out of, them, out, out of that lot, I think. Uh, I'd be surprised if he went to Brighton or Newcastle. But stranger things have happened, and I think, yeah, he could he could come in and do a job for someone. It feels like it's disappointing that it's not worked in Turkey because I'd love Daniel Sturridge to be the player he was in that one season. The one good season he's had at Liverpool when he was playing alongside Suarez and he scored plus 20 goals in a single season. But it's just not quite happened for him anywhere. And he's running out of time if it is going to happen. He is, but there's a, there's a whole set of reasons for why that's the case. Yes, he's had dreadful luck with injury, but... Time and again, he's proven that the attitude isn't there to fulfil the potential that he showed mm. fleetingly that season. And, you know, I think we do have to put into context how much of that was the Suarez effect of next to him, of not just the goals that Suarez had scored, but the performances that he put in. Yeah. I, I do think Daniel Sturridge is a good player. I don't think he's any better than that. I, I mean, you look at the Liverpool squad now, I wouldn't have him over Origi, for example. And I don't mean just because of the big goals that Origi scored. I think Origi is a better player than him. Um, in terms of a move, uh, I'm going to throw a curveball in. I saw this on Twitter this morning that David Beckham's into Miami oh. and looking at him. Uh, um, so you might it, fancy that. He is he is the most MLS signing yeah. I could actually think of. I think when you think of all the ingredients that Daniel Sturridge has got and what will be on offer there, I think maybe not necessarily Beckham's team, but an MLS move, I think mm. he has written all over this for him. Uh, and don't forget, we're talking about Premier League sides. Daniel Sturridge has huge wages. That was one of the big issues at Liverpool. They couldn't get rid of him because he was on, I think he was on 120 grand a week. Which I think is why people like West Ham would be out of the equation. I don't exactly. think the board would spend 120, 130 grand a week. Give him on 160. A, <laughs> well, on a player that's going to play one in two. Well, he's pay, he's pay, you wouldn't sign him on a contract. You'd go pay as you play, wouldn't you? But, but if, you're Daniel, pay as you play. if you're Daniel Sturridge with the mentality that he's got, he wouldn't agree to a pay as you play Into deal. Miami makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I can be, see and that Beckham, happening Beckham actually. Will, Beckham, well, not Beckham directly, you know, bank transfer. Uh, <laughs> his, I think it's David Beckham Sports Group or whatever they're called, yeah. will will pay Daniel Sturridge what he wants. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good shout out, Berg. Right, we'll finish there. Then that's Football Social Daily for the day. If you fancy clicking subscribe, it means you'll get the rest of the episodes right the way through the week as soon as they're ready because this is the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. Click subscribe, never miss an episode. Steve, Fergal, thank you very Cheers. much. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at germandonerkebab.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.